Father, we thank you that you are greater. You are greater than all things. You are transcendent above all. You are the Almighty. And yet you, God, chose to take on human flesh. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have become one of us, that we might be one of yours. We ask now, Lord, as we come to your word, that you would reveal to us areas of our lives where there needs to be a change. Challenge us, Father. Our, our humanity is, is it's limiting to us. It, it keeps us, Father, from, from being what you've designed us to be because we are flawed. We want to be our own hero. We want to be the central of the story. We, we want it to be about us. But, but Father, there's no salvation in us. There's no, there's no redeeming eternal living hope in us. That, that is found in Christ alone. So Lord Jesus, give us eyes that can see you as the hero and ears that can understand your will, that we would walk in your way and be blessed with your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Today we're gonna finish this series. We've been talking about the greatness of God. We've been looking at an episode in the life of Elijah. And at the beginning of this series, I... I I told you why we were doing I want to remind you today why we've done this series. And it's because all of us are, are going to go through trials of many kinds. This is the will and the plan of God to strengthen our faith. Along the way, there's a, there's a, real, there's a real opportunity for us to fall into despondency. We've got to be so careful of that. Elijah fell into that. And today I want to, to show you a little bit why that happened and how we can avoid that and, and, and then how we can go forward in the will of God. We, we have to understand that God is greater. He's greater than our plans. He's greater than our doubts. He's greater than our sorrows. He's greater than our world. I've been reading this devotion, uh, uh, New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. And uh, there was a line this week in one of the devotions that basically summed up this whole series and really summed up today's entire sermon in a sentence. I hate it when people can do like what takes me an hour. They do it in like two seconds, but, but it's not about me. So I'm going to share it with you. All right. Listen, this. today you'll face things bigger than you, but you needn't be afraid because none is bigger than the one who rules them all for your sake. Isn't that good? And, well, I hope I didn't break that. It's true. <laughs> God is greater than anything you and I are going to face. And he has a plan for what we're going to face. And we got to trust in him. Not the way Elijah did, but the way Jesus did. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, just way of reminder, in 1 Kings 17, we were introduced to Elijah. He was called to proclaim a drought. He did. He went to the Kareth Ravine where he was fed by ravens. After that ravine dried up, he was sent to a widow where he was fed by her. Uh, he uh, saw miracle after miracle. Uh, the widow's son died. God used him to raise him from the dead. In 1 Kings 18, God used him to defeat the Baals in a very dramatic way. And then Elijah wanted to go to Jezreel and have a parade and everyone celebrate uh, what had happened, that there was a revival and, 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 and that Elijah was cool and, and everything was going to be great and happy, they'd live happily ever after. But that's not what happened. Elijah was told he'd be dead within a day. Elijah's plan didn't work and so he fell into despondency and his doubt and his sorrow. 
he had to be cared for by the Lord. And that's what we see in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, this first section. And today we're gonna see the, the, the way the Lord finished this off with him and, and ways that we can learn to, to trust in the Lord. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Charlie's gonna come and read for us. And uh, she's got a hard section of scripture, but man, is she gifted. So this is 1 Kings 19, and she's going to read for us uh, verses 14 and following. So Charlie, if you would read that for us. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covet, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Mehu, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elijah put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel. All the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Charlie. Thank you so much, sweet girl. She has no idea how, how hard she just nailed that. I went to seminary and graduate school and still couldn't read it that good, and she's eight. Home, uh, that's what homeschooling will do for you. There it is, right there. Listen, when you think about this text, to, I want to really emphasize this, and I, I always seek to emphasize the gospel. You know that. I just want to make sure that we emphasize that the, the hero of this text is the hero of every text, Jesus Christ. Elijah did not understand what God was doing in the world. Okay? Elijah wanted to call the shots. Jesus Christ knew what God was doing in the world. And he was willing to submit to God that he might call the shots. Jesus is God in flesh. It's hard to understand that in our, our limited capacities. We are not eternal uh, from, from everlasting. And so we, we have to, by faith, understand who Jesus is. Our articles of faith uh, have descriptions of these. You can find this on our website. Our article four about Jesus Christ says, we believe in Jesus Christ, the one and only eternal son of God, who while fully divine became a man that he might reveal God and redeem mankind. So we have this being who is 100% God and 100% man. He had a dual will, both the will of a man and the will of God. And, and it took the church 680 years to really put into a definition you know, what that, what that even means, and, and we won't labor that point, other than to, to understand that what we have in Jesus is the hero. What we have in Jesus is the one who could do what we could not do, would not do. And we have in Jesus the example of what we need to live by. What did Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was preparing himself to die for the sins of the world? He prayed, and he prayed for God's will, not his will. He prayed as a human being asking for another way, but he trusted, he trusted the will of the Father. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 26 verse 39 and going a little further he fell on his face and prayed saying my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me what's he saying father if there's another way to save our people let's do that that's the human being that's the man but look how he prayed nevertheless not as I will not as I as a man but as you will as God 
Now he is God and man. And he's praying in this. And what he's saying is, God, you know what's best. I want to do what you want. I don't, I know what you're doing in the world and I want to trust you in what you're doing and I want to be a part of it. He had the right perspective. Elijah had the wrong perspective. Elijah thought, hey, I know what's going on in the world. I know what's going on with me. I know what God's supposed to be doing. And he was dead wrong. Jesus knew what was going on in the world. He knew that God was God and he knew that, that he needed to, to trust in him. Perspective is everything. Jesus had God's perspective. Perspective is powerful. You know, yesterday about 4.30, we heard about a tornado and my son Asher said, you know, I'd really like to see a tornado. About 10 o'clock, his perspective has changed as we were in the inner part of the bathroom and that crazy cat comes in there, right? We're all just staring at each other. Well, if we die, at least we got the cat. <laughs> There's one thing to say, oh, wouldn't that be cool? There's another thing to experience it. Christians, listen to me. There's one thing to have a head knowledge of God. There's another thing to experience the living authority and power of God in your life. Elijah had some, a strong awareness of the glory of God, but... He didn't have the right perspective. And today I want to challenge us. I want to challenge you in the word to have God's perspective. And I, I want to say this. It's not hard to understand how it's real. It's real challenging to have the faith to do it. And so just because you understand the words that I'm going to say and the words that are in the Bible, please understand this is going to require great faith and humility to do. And so as we're walking through this, go ahead and begin now to pray and say, Lord, give me the faith, give me the humility that I might walk in this wisdom and experience what only you can give. And it requires the right perspective. So three things I want to show you. Understand this, uh, to get God's perspective, we must understand our position. Understand our position. Uh, Elijah did not understand himself. He didn't understand the world. He didn't understand God. Not fully, not as he needed to, as he should have. And he had the wrong, wrong view, wrong perspective. You look in verse 14, God asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And what does he say? He said what he said before. Look at the last part. I, even I, I am only left. I am the only one. I'm the only one who's suffering like this. I'm the only one that has it this hard. It's, 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 it's just, it's only something that I'm going through. Don't ever let yourself say that. Don't ever have that pity party. Don't you believe it because it's a lie. You are not the only one who has ever suffered what you're suffering. God knows what, you've, what you're gonna go through, what you've gone through, what you're going through right now. You say, when God became flesh, it said he was tempted in every way but was without sin. Some of you know pain, I don't. I don't know what it is to lose a child, but God the Father does. Now, I've, never, I've never been... I've never been sought to be killed, but some of you have. Some of you, some of you face death. I, I haven't, I've yet to do that. God has. God knows what it is to be hated. God knows what it is to have your friends turn against you. God knows what it is to have people that, that you should be able to trust lie about you, stab you in the back. God knows your pain. You're not the only one who's ever felt this. God understands and he cares. 
Elijah had a wrong understanding, a wrong perspective. He thought, I'm the only one, I'm the one. Friends, we have to understand our position. What is our position? By grace through faith in Christ alone, we are dearly loved children. Listen to me, you gotta get these two facts straight in your head. You are far more sinful than you know and far more loved than you could ever imagine. Understanding that you are far more sinful than you can know is gonna humble you. Understanding that you are, you are far more loved than you can even imagine gives you confidence. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It is to have humble confidence. It's to know your position and that your position is that of a sinner made saint. That you are one who has been transformed by the great gospel of God. And when we, when we believe in Jesus Christ and we trust in him with our life, now we can turn to him, not just for just our eternal souls in heaven, but with every moment of every day. One of the most liberating experiences for me as a football player was when I was in high school and it dawned on me and I came to understand that I wasn't in charge of calling the plays. My coach was. Now it took me a little while to figure that out because I have issues. But the day I came to terms with the fact that he did not need my suggestions, that he did not need me to call the plays, was a great day. Because then I was able just to say, what's the play? And they'd signal it in, and I'd go to the thing, here's the play, oh man, we're gonna run that, it's the boss. It's not my problem. We're gonna run the play, here's the play. And it was my job to run the play. It wasn't my, I wasn't to call the play. It's my job to run the play. Here's the joy of the Christian life. It's not our job to call the play. Our freedom is that the one who calls the play is all-knowing, all-loving, and all-powerful. And he knows what he's doing. And we need, to, we need to understand our position. Our position as disciples of Jesus, we are the servants of the Most High God who is all-wise, all-knowing, all-loving. He knows all things, and for his glory, he works all things. That's pretty good, and it's liberating. So not only do we, we need to understand our position, the second thing is this, we have to trust God's plan. We actually have to trust what God's doing. <laughs> Elijah couldn't see it. And we many times can't either. God had a plan for the pagan world, for the nation of Israel, and for the spiritual world of, of his prophets. And Elijah thought it was all about him. He thought it was all about what he was supposed to do, about what he was supposed to make happen. And that wasn't God's plan. See, Elijah, Elijah again, he's like us. He wanted to be his own hero. He didn't want to have to humble himself and trust in God. He wanted to say, yeah, God help me, but I'm basically the hero. I'm basically the one they should be having the parade for. They should be singing songs about me. Remember what Elijah did? He went to Jezreel. Why did he go to the capital city? Because he wanted everybody to go, oh, look how great Elijah is. How often do we cause ourselves pain? because we refuse to humble ourselves under the greatness of the glory of God and let him be the hero instead of us. 
How often do we want everybody to say, look how great you are. Look how smart you are. Look how, what a great dad you are. Look at what a great mom. Look what a great, there's nothing wrong with being all those things, but the reality is we all know in our heart of hearts, if we have a right understanding of our position, that anything good that we have in us, it comes from Jesus Christ. Having a right understanding, it, it frees us to trust God's plan and be able to say, he knows, and he is at work. Elijah could have saved himself so much pain, and so could we, if Elijah would have trusted God's plan instead of getting ahead of him. Let me show you something real quick. Go back one chapter to 1 Kings 18, and look at verse 46. And I want you to notice, okay, at this point, the Baals have been defeated, And Elijah, instead of turning to God, got ahead of God. He got ahead of Ahab, and he got ahead of God. Look what it says. It says that, that he ran ahead of Ahab to Jezreel. Notice what Elijah did not do. He did not ask God what his next step was supposed to be. You will not find Elijah in the next 13 verses in 1 Kings chapter 19, ever asking, God, what do you want me to do now? Had Elijah, instead of running ahead of God, gotten on his knees and said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do now? He would have avoided all the pain of the next 13 verses. He would not have had to deal with, with, with so much sorrow. He would not have had to deal with so much humiliation and, and being broken down. He wouldn't have felt all that sorrow. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have felt like he wanted to die. Think about how much pain he brought on himself because instead of turning to God and saying, okay, God, what do you want to do now? Instead, he got ahead of God. He didn't look to God. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be the Messiah. He wanted to be the Savior. He wanted to be what it was all about. And it led to so much pain. You know what I believe Scripture indicates here? What would have happened if Elijah would have said, okay, God, bells are beat. I'm here on Mount Carmel. Now what do you want me to do? He probably would have heard, look at verse 15, Head to Damascus, anoint Haziel, then head down to Israel, anoint Jehu, and then find Elisha and anoint him. He could have skipped the next 14 verses of suffering. Friends, some of us, some of you right now are in a position where you need to stop. Stop. Look to God and say, God, is this what you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? What is, your, what is your plan? And turn to him and trust him. Elijah didn't want to do that. He wanted to be the man. He didn't want to have to turn to God. He wanted God to say, Elijah's the man. Eli understand our father has a great plan. Please understand this about God. He has both an ultimate plan, a grand plan, and, and he also has a very particular plan for each one, each one of us. The book of Revelation is written, what, what, what Glenda read just a minute ago, that's gonna happen. That's God's ultimate plan. Do you know that God has a particular plan for you? Do you know, do you know that God already knows what's gonna happen at lunch with you today? 
You know, God already knows where you're gonna be at eight o'clock tonight. God was not scared of that tornado last night. He knew where it was, when it was, why it was. We don't. God does. And here's, here's the good news I want you to see in Elijah's life. He had gotten off of God's particular plan for his life. So you know what his father did? He said, boy, get back in line. What are you doing here, Elijah? He took him from where he was and brought him back to where God wanted him to be. You know, I have a general plan. I have an ultimate plan for my children. I want them to love Jesus and follow Jesus and honor Jesus. And I have a sense that everything else will be okay. Last night I had a particular plan that they all live through a tornado. I didn't care if the cat did, but it had the sense to come and see what I was doing. God has a particular plan for every one of us. And I know many of you know that. Let me ask you, do you trust that? Do you understand your position as a dearly loved saint who is far more sinful than you know, but far more loved than you could ever imagine? And that God's plan is perfect. And he has a plan for you. You've got to understand your position. We, we, have, to, we have to trust God's plan. And then a very important thing, and, and this was missing uh, severely, I would say, in the life of Elijah. And in the hearts and minds of many people today. So we have to respect God's people. Respect God's people. Elijah had no respect for the rest of God's people. I mean, he's sitting here saying, I'm the only one. I'm the only, I'm the only one that's ever, I'm the only one that's ever had this pain. I love, look at the correction God makes in his life. So direct, so kind. Look what he said to him. Elijah's talking about all this. Yeah, poor man, I'm the only man. Yeah. 18. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. What's he saying? Elijah, you're not the only one that suffered. You're not the only one that's faithful. I got a church of 7,000. Did you talk to any of them? Have you prayed any of them, with any of them? See, here's a man who's feeling sorry for himself, thinking he's the only one that suffered. I would argue that, that he had it pretty good. I mean, when the drought was, was announced, he goes to the Kareth Ravine, he's fed by ravens. Pretty cool gig. He goes to, 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 to be with a widow. They eat off of nothing, but they're fine. God provides. He sees the raising of the dead. There were 7,000 others basically kind of trapped up in a cave. Can you imagine what that smelled like? I mean, the odor alone would have said, yeah, Elijah had it pretty good. He's feeling so sorry for himself and completely disrespecting the fact that there were 7,000 others that did not kneel, that did not turn from God. How wise would it have been had he prayed, God, what's your plan? And God had not spoken. If he would have gone and found some of that 7,000 and said, would you pray for me? For, and, and let's ask God together what it is I'm supposed to be doing next. You know, one of the things that's such a blessing to my life and to the life of Living Hope is that we are led by a plurality of elders. These guys get together at least twice a month, if not more, and pray and together seek to understand the wisdom and the will of God for our church. 
Now, now we agree generally on the things that we're doing and the things that we're pursuing, but how in the world can we have a rec center and a counseling center and a pregnancy center and have missionary partners on all these continents and trips every week with teams going out and local impact? How in the world are we impacting this city, having a church with four different languages, planning churches with three more languages and, and making in, in impact inside, inside of our city to the depth we are? It's not because all 2,500 of us know every detail of what's going on in the life of this church. It's because we are blessed to have leaders who are leading and they fight the devil every day because you know the devil's in the details, right? And so we have wise men who are able to get together and pray and say, Lord, lead us. Show us your way. Let me ask you something. This church is led by a, a, a board by elders, by a plurality of leaders. Let me ask you, do you have a group that God is using to help lead your life? Do you have people that you respect that are walking with Jesus, that love you, that when it's time to pray through a decision, when it's time to, to make a decision, that you can go to them and you can trust, not only are they godly and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, but they love me, and as we pray together, they will be able to speak truth into my life, and I will receive that truth humbly and be able to, to walk in, in, in a manner worthy of the glory of God. See, if you don't, here's what, here's what you can know about yourself. You don't respect God's people. You think you're above the need of God's people. You think I'm so smart and I've got it so together that I don't need other people to pray for me. I don't need other people to be a part of my life. And you're so selfish that you're unwilling to give time and emotional energy to connect with other people so you can pray for them, so they can call you, so they have access to your time. You see, you see what the heart of that is? It's a heart of a disrespect for God's people. It's not just an American thing, it's a human thing that basically says, I don't need anybody, I, I can be self-made, I can do everything on my own. That's a lie from the devil, and that's exactly what he did, and look what it got him. Friends, we need, we need to respect God's people. Understand our position, trust God's plan, respect God's people. Now, the only way we can do that it's through Jesus. I love this. Uh, Tim Keller, I heard him say this uh, last week. Uh, said, real friends always let you in and never let you down. Jesus Christ is the only true constant friend. Those that follow him, uh, those that follow him seek to be likewise. They will fail. They ever seek to do it on their own. It takes gospel power. Jesus Christ is the ultimate friend. And he calls us to be ultimate friends to one another, to be the body of Christ to each other. That can only happen through the gospel. Write it down, don't forget it. The gospel of Jesus alone gives us God's perspective. It's only the gospel that helps us understand our position, that enables us to trust God's plan, that helps us to respect God's people. Now I want you to real quick go to Mark chapter nine. And I wanna show you one last thing about Elijah before we leave him. Elijah was not a bad dude. He was a good man. As a matter of fact, he's one of the favored of God's people. When Jesus Christ was getting ready to go to the cross and his disciples needed a, a, a pointed reminder and Jesus needed ministering to, 
In Mark chapter two, we see something significant happening. The mountain is called the Mount of Transfiguration because in that moment, Jesus took on his, his heavenly appearance and had conversation with, look who was there. Moses and Elijah. This one who had learned his position to trust God's plan and to respect God's people. And now he was being used. Now Peter got it all mixed up. <laughs> and Peter seeing this says, oh, okay God, let's build uh, three tabernacles and, and now we got a new religion. Now we've got, we got Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Now we've got the trifecta. Now it's in good business and God says, boy, would you be quiet? This is my son, listen to him. What we're saying there is, what was the law, what was the prophets, it's all been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. There is none like Jesus Christ. Worship him. And then look what they saw in verse eight. When, when everything went silent, and suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. Here's what you can know, friends. Sooner or later, everything else goes away. The only one that will be standing for you in the end is Jesus Christ. If you're counting on anything else to save you, then you are lost. Jesus Christ has come, his gospel is true, and he will stand with you not only in death, but all through life, if you will understand your position, if you will trust his plan, and you will respect God's people as one who has come to saving faith, and rest in him. He will save your soul, he will guide your life, and he will use you for his glory and his purpose. And I'm gonna tell you, there's no peace like that. I know many of you in this room need that right now. You need Jesus. Some of you know him as Savior. But I know some of you are so anxious right now. For some of you, it's about what's happening to you. What your plans are. What you, what you thought was going to happen. What you're hoping. All these things. And you're, you're, you're all tied up. Some of you, it's for your children. Some of you, for your grandchildren. Some of you, it's for your friends. you've learned anything from this series, if you've learned anything from today, please understand this. God is greater. He's greater than your plan. He's greater than your doubts. He's greater than your sorrow. He's greater than your world. And if you will humble yourself and receive his love and power and work, he will save you. He will bless you and he will work through you. Let's stand together. Father God, we have a moment to, uh, to come and talk with you. And I know that there's some today who need to come and talk to you about their own soul. And they need your forgiveness and they need your life in them that they might become your disciples. Some here today, Lord, they need to come and they need to ask for your provision, for your plan. They, they've been so busy doing what they wanted or thought was right to do. 
They haven't come to you. They haven't consulted you. They're like Elijah. They're just running ahead. I pray that they've been stopped dead in their tracks and today they're about to get on their knees and say, what do you want, Lord? And others, they've heard from you and they have a sense from you and they, they need your provision in their life or they need your provision in the life of someone they love. God, hear your people as they come. And as our folks are coming today, I wanna to encourage you. We've been singing this song. I want you to really just listen to these words before you start singing them. Just let them minister to you. Come and pray, but in a spirit of prayer, just eyes closed, listen to these words and think about this truth that we've been, we've been learning together. Come and pray. Come and pray.